Nothing shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Neither height nor depth, nor things past, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other being shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we've come to the time in this service when we bow in your presence. We take a seat at your table. Our intention, O oh God, is to ingest your word, to hear the word expounded, a powerful word, an anointed word, a transition word, a, a word that will make us healed, delivered, free. Touch your word today, O oh Lord, and touch this unworthy servant. And use me as an instrument today, O oh God, to communicate spiritual things in Jesus' name. Amen. I turn your attention to Matthew chapter 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage, under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find ass tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send them. And all of this was done that it might be fulfilled. Somebody say fulfilled. fulfilled. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of a foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him their own. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees, and strode them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hoshana! To the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hoshana in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all of the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. Today all over the world, there are people that are celebrating an event in the life of the Savior that is known as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday because the palm branches that were taken by the children and waved and used in celebration. I'll talk to you a little bit later about that. But a palm tree was not indigenous to Israel. Hey, a palm tree didn't really grow on its own accord there. It had to be planted. It was planted there because the Romans put it there. It was put there as a palm branch because of, you know, the significance of in the, the Italian culture of the wreath that is woven with the branches and the leaves to symbolize uh, lordship and authority and victory. So that palm branch was a constant reminder of, to the Jews of the Roman occupation. The time of Jesus was a time of severe oppression. It was a time of fierce and harsh treatment and oppression. The people that were under the yoke of the tyranny of the Roman Empire, they used them as servants and as slaves. You might say they were slaves in the culture of the Roman Empire. 
And they viewed them as such and kept them in that condition. They put uh, lords over them. They put governors. They put proconsuls on thrones and ruled them. And with an iron hand, they truly did harshly treat the people of Israel. So on this Palm Sunday, when Jesus was coming to town, I love that little tune we used to sing in the uh, Easter drama musical. We'd sing, Jesus is coming to town. A Savior is coming to town. I wish Aniston could get the news today that a Savior has come to town, that Jesus has come to town, and that Jesus resides and lives in the hearts and lives of people in this town. Praise God. Could you celebrate that fact and say, thank you, Lord, that there are people that name the name of Jesus? Praise the Lord. So it's right that we celebrate and that we actually uh, lift up praise unto the Lord during this event that we call uh, Palm Sunday. The, the trouble with that whole episodic thing is the fast turnover of the events of just seven days. Here it is, a new day in a week, and Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And while they're hollering, hail him, hail him, in just a few days they'll holler, nail him, nail him. And it lets you know how quickly things can turn on a dime. It lets you know how quickly in just a few days if you don't meet people's expectations, then they come to a point where they're very angry. They're disappointed with you, number one. And their disappointment then turns to anger, and then their anger turns to hatred, and eventually they want to kill you. But Jesus did not come to fulfill our expectations. Jesus came to meet our needs because our expectations were such uh, askew and so awry that I'm glad we didn't get our expectations because Israel was looking for a certain kind of a, a king, not a king from Nazareth, not a baby born in a manger, not someone who was humble and lowly, but they anticipated a parade of which they would see a, a, a great Roman parade, a Roman event when a king would come in. They were so set and so expectant and so hoping that Jesus would be the one that would come and deliver them from those oppressive Romans they wanted it so badly. In fact, a couple of hundred years before, there was a Maccabean revolt. I'll do you a history lesson right here. Uh, Jonathan Maccabee led a revolt, and it was called the Jewish, the first Jewish revolt because it wasn't the only one. They tried it again later, and the Romans squashed them both times. But every year, the Jewish people would celebrate and try to have a 4th of July on what we call Palm Sunday. In other words, they celebrated the fact that at one time we had some revolutionary people that stood up and resisted the yoke and tried to throw off the yoke. And they celebrated every year that event that literally came Palm Sunday. So what they were doing was having a 4th of July. They were celebrating the fact that one day there was a guy named Jonathan Maccabee that led a revolt, and we revolted because we wanted our freedom, didn't get it, but that don't stop us from celebrating. In fact, they tried it again later and got squashed again. 
That was the second Jewish revolt. Well, now Jesus is in between them, and they're celebrating this, this event. and They're already festive, and they're already partying, celebrating the fact we yearn to be free, like we do on the 4th of July. We call it Independence Day, right? Well, hey, they celebrated the fact. You know how they celebrated? They celebrated by taking the palm branches, and they waved the palm branches, so that's where that caught on. Oh, taught you a lesson this morning, huh? Found out why the palm branches got in it. They thought it was 4th of July, and they were celebrating a revolution, a active part of rebellion to rebel against the Romans and get rid of all of that. So they were, had the palm branches. They were ready, but they were expecting the kind of a king like David was, and they expected a parade like Solomon was. So they expected white horses and armor gleaming and swords at your side and horses prancing and all the marching of the soldiers and they thought there was going to be a parade. And here comes this Nazarene. Instead of a horse, a fine stallion steed with muscles bulging like he'd won the Kentucky Derby, here comes this Jesus riding on a donkey. What a disappointment. I expected so much different. Brother, I expected a David-like parade who beat the socks off those Amorites and those Philistines, and when he came back in, he, he had a parade brought the head of Goliath in, holding it in his hand. Wow, he, they, they, they expected some kind of a, a, a victorious ceremony that Jesus is going to be a king. He's going to be a kind of king that's going to come in here and fight a war, and after he whips these Romans, we're going to take charge. Jesus didn't come to elevate you like that so that you could be vengeful and spiteful and get even with folks who had oppressed you. But that's what they expected. I love that Emmaus Road story, you know, when those two guys are marching along and they start talking. And there's a, there's a, a verse in that account there where they said, we had hoped. They said, what are you guys talking about? What do you mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about the same thing that's in all the newspapers. We're talking about every, every conversation that's going on in this country. We're talking about what's going on in, in, in Jerusalem. Don't you know they killed Jesus? And, and we, we believed him. We had hoped that he was the one that would come and deliver Israel. You remember that story? Well, what that tells us is they hoped for and expected something Jesus was not. Because Jesus did not come to set up an earthly kingdom and a capital city and build a palace and establish a government. No, that wasn't what he came for. In fact, the Bible says, if you'll put it up there for me, he said, I did not come into the world to be ministered to, but I came into the world to minister, Mark 10, 45, and to give his life a ransom for many. How in the world did we get from one week heralding, behold, blessed be this king that comes in the name of the Lord. 
And then in just seven days, they turn and they're ready to crucify him. It was because they were so disappointed that he didn't meet their expectations. He didn't do what they felt like needed to be done. When popular opinion turned against him, how can worship and praise from the lips of hopeful hearts become shouts of crucify him? For whatever reason, we need to realize that Jesus came into the world for a different reason than what they expected. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Even from his own lips, he said, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come to have a parade and wear a crown and parade like earthlings do because Jesus had no political agenda. Now we do, but Jesus didn't have a political agenda. Right now in this country, the big issue is about a wall. We're so fiercely divided about a wall, and all of it is about keeping out alien people. That's our political agenda right now. But the spiritual agenda is so much bigger than the political agenda. The crowd that said, Hoshana, Hoshana, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, was all political. America has a deeper problem than a political problem. Our problem in America is not a political problem. And we're going about it trying to debate and pass laws and build walls and do all kinds of stuff to solve a political problem when that's not really our biggest problem. The wall that we've built around our hearts is of greater consequence than building a wall on our borders to keep people out. I wonder how we're doing with guarding our heart. Are we doing anything to keep the things out of our heart that don't need to be in our heart? You see, America has a bigger problem with its heart than it has with its border. In my lifetime, I have grown up with America being strong Christian to today being barely Christian, if Christian at all. Some people think when you say you're an American, you're a Christian. No, that's not true at all. But I would submit to you that that crowd had political motivation. Their praise was more political than it was spiritual. Their, 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 their participation in Palm Sunday was all about politics and getting rid of the Romans and getting a king in here that will be better to us. And that's, in a nutshell, what politics in America is all about, is to get somebody in charge that'll do what I want. And that's exactly the politics of this crowd that was singing Hoshana and saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. It was more about their, their political agenda than it was anything else. 
But our heart, the Bible said, if our heart deceive us, then it's God greater than our heart. Why do you have to guard your heart, pastor? Because out of the heart proceedeth all kinds of wicked things. Look in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts and adultery and fornications and murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, evil eyes, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile a man. So it's not whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It's not whether you're a Libertine or an Independent. It's about, is your heart right with God? Are you righteous in the sight of God? I said, are you righteous in the sight of God? This Bible I preach out of says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Righteousness. So the issue then is more about righteousness. What would make America great again? Righteousness. Righteousness exalteth a nation. Are you listening to this, Pastor? Righteousness is what will build us up. Righteousness will make things work better. Righteousness will have the favor of God upon us. Righteousness will have God's secure protection about us. Righteousness will bring blessedness and peace. So the issue is not political. It's more about our hearts. It's more about our hearts. Just like this, this lesson because they weren't worshiping with their heart. They were worshiping with their mind. The imagination of their mind. If we can just get this king in here, we can get rid of the oppressing that we've got. But boy, when he came in, they, they misunderstood the whole message of the donkey. They didn't get that. Yes, but pastor, we said fulfilled after you read it from the Bible. Fulfilled, what was fulfilled? We'll turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and we'll find out what all of that was about. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Now let me tell you first, God is not so interested in politics. God is more interested in spiritual matters. The whole deal of Israel having a king was not God's idea. Are you listening to me? When Israel wanted to be like other nations. You see, you always get in trouble when you start comparing yourself with somebody else. You always run amiss and run amok when you start trying to compare how good God is to you to how good he is to somebody else. And Israel did that and said, we want a king. All of the other nations around us has a king. We don't have a king. We want a king. God said, you don't need a king. You've got prophets. I'll speak to my prophets. My prophets will preach the word of God to you. They'll tell you what needs to be done. They'll show you the way. Come on, somebody. And they said, we don't want prophets. We want a king. Don't give us this spiritual stuff. Let's be pragmatic about it. We want a king to rule over us. And look at what it says in Hosea chapter 13, verse 11. 
God says this, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. In other words, God said, okay, if you just won't let up, I'll give you what you want, but you won't like it. Because then you get Jeroboam, and you get Rehoboam, and then you get Ahab, and then you get Jezebel. And your political mess. Then you go to God and say, oh God, help us with our political mess. Well, you wouldn't have had this political mess if you'd have listened to me. I told you you didn't need this political mess. That my way was better, but you insisted that you had to have it your way. Now you've got it your way, and you're sending these prayers up here, oh God, help me now. It's kind of like Woodrow Bird's son wrote home from Lee College, Brother Ford, and he said, Daddy, you and Mama pray for me. He said, I've done something stupid. He said, what have you done, son? He said, I asked a little old girl to marry me. Marry you? How long have you known her? Well, we just got moved in about a week ago. I've known her about a week. And you asked her to marry you? Said you ought to have thought of that before you ask her to marry you. There's no prayer now that's going to deliver you. You just need to go tell her what a fool you are. And tell her how foolish you acted. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Told him, he said, it's no need to pray about it now. Just go undo it. Just go undo it. Or a pastor would say, you prophesied them together. Just go prophesy them apart. <laughs> well, let's see what Zechariah really said about this thing that they've taken all out of God. Look at it. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. For your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey. Well, how could they have missed it? Because the prophecy was fulfilled exactly like it was spoken by Zechariah, but they missed it. They missed the whole humble thing about the donkey. And then the next verse is the kicker. Listen at it. He will cut off the war chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow that shall be cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Israel totally missed that. They missed the peace message. They missed the humility message. They missed Jesus and who he really is and why he came. They missed him as the prince of peace, not an instigator of war. Not an, he won't hook up to the horse and he won't put the chariot and the war chariot and the war horse. He's not coming to make war. He's coming in Jerusalem to bring peace. He's coming into Jerusalem to serve, and notice that last part, and give his life, and give his life, not take a life, but give his life for many. The waving of those palm branches were all about an attendance day. You see, in Jerusalem that day, a city that is normally about 50,000 at its time, 
But on the day, week of the Passover, there's over 500,000 that are there. Wow. Can you imagine all the ends packed? It's like race day around here, huh? Can't get a room. Can't find a table at a restaurant. Race fans everywhere. Well, they had something similar to that because it was Passover week. And on Passover week, there was no room for anybody else. Wall to wall, pack. You see, America could win all the wars over our political foes and still lose our souls to the devil. If you look at America today, I would say they're no better off than ancient Israel was in their day. We're losing that battle for the souls of men in this country. We're losing that battle with the flesh, the devil. We're losing that battle. And no amount of military might is ever going to compensate for that loss and remedy the real issue with people. The real issue is sin. Could I say to this? America needs a revival. America needs a revival. There's been a coarsening of our culture literally in my lifetime. We've become less civil, less civilized, less Christian nation. We've become a nation that wants not merely a separation of church and state, but we want a separation of God and country. This has done so much damage to us that spiritually we're literally uh, anemic, lost its power. When those pilgrims, come on Connor and help me quit. When those pilgrims were going up to Zion, they used to sing songs. They sang the Psalms as they would go along the way. They would sing what they call the Hallel. Anybody know the Hallel? The praise ye the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. The praise, it's the praise psalms, the hallel psalms. That's where you get hallelujah. Hallel means praise. Praise psalms are hallel psalms. Luyah is praise Jehovah or praise the Lord. Something happens when you say that word. Can you say it with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it again. Hallelujah. See, I told you. Why is that? Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And when you say hallelujah, 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 then the Lord inhabits those praises. So they would sing them all the way up to Jerusalem when we're going up to the temple. Now that Hallel Psalm is full of Hoshanahs and it means God saves. Hallelujah means praise God. Isn't that good? I love that. Hoshanah, God saves. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hoshanah, God saves. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey, I think we need to practice that a little bit, don't you? Can you say Hoshana? Hoshana. God saves. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Man, I can't quit that. That's just so good. Hosanna, hallelujah. God saves. Praise his name. Glory to God. God saves. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You see, that line, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, was the pilgrims as they sang to each other as they went up to Zion. But it takes on a special poignancy. This time, their king has really come. They were going in anticipation of a king coming in some time in the future, but this time they didn't realize it. But this is the real king you've been looking for. How many times have you gone through the motion expecting something else when all the time the answer to the prayer you prayed was right there in your midst, right before you? While you were so busy, massaging your wounds of disappointment because your expectations weren't met. God said, right here is the help I've got for you. You missed it. You misinterpreted. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You see, the Israel that we have alliances with today, and I'm glad that we are friends with Israel, and I'm glad that we do provide for Israel's safety. God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. That's the covenant. God said, I will provide for those who provide for you. God said, I will keep those that keep you. I will bless and I will provide for and I will secure those that love and secure and care for you. That's a great promise and I hope our country will always do that because that's God's word. That's God's word. But you know, there's a a movement afloat today to, to destroy that, to destroy that. We're moving further and further away from that notion every day. And it will be a sad, sad day if we ever break that commitment that we've got to God's people. I love that little poem of George MacDonald. Actually, it's a Christmas poem. It goes like this. We were all searching for a king to slay our foes and lift us high. Thou camest a little baby thing to make a woman cry. There was a, a little boy, and he was looking in the window of a store, and he was looking at a picture. It was a, a painting, and it was a painting of the Lord Jesus, and he was in the lap of his mother Mary, and there were others standing around, and a stranger walked up to that window and stood beside that little boy, and he said, Little man, you know what you're looking at? He said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, that man right there in the lap of that woman, that's baby Jesus. And baby Jesus grew up to save the whole world. And that's his mama right there that's holding him in her lap. And said, right over there some shepherds that come around and uh, hunting for him. And said, he went to a cross and he died on a cross. And the old man said to him, he said, well, son, that's a great story. And he started walking away. And he got a couple of blocks away. And he heard somebody holler, mister, mister, mister. And the little boy was running as hard as he could. And he got up to him. And he said, what's the matter, son? He said, I forgot to tell you. 
He's not dead. I just come by here to tell you today, he's not dead. He's not on that cross anymore. Oh, bless be God, next Sunday we'll preach about a risen Savior who defeated death and hell and the grave, who rose victorious over all the foes of God and his kingdom. He is the Lord God. He is the Lord Jesus. And he reigns forever and forever and forever. He's the Lord of glory. Who is this King of glory? The Lord. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. Lift up your heads and be lifted up ye everlasting doors. For the King of glory has come in. I'm glad we can say today on this Palm Sunday that the King of glory has come in. Hallelujah. You remember when he made entrance into your life? You remember when he rode in in peace and humility? Hallelujah. He may not have been what you expected, but he became a Savior and Lord of your life. Glory. Hallelujah. May not have met Israel's expectations. You can remain standing. But I'm going to tell you one thing for sure. He's met all of mine. He's met all of mine. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He'll be to you what you need him to be. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a father to the fatherless. He's joy in your sorrow. He's peace in the midst of your storm. He's able He's able, he's able to carry you through. I preached one time about that donkey that carried him, Daphne. And I preached on what's carrying you. What's carrying you. I want to tell you the same thing that carried Jesus is carrying me. Because the spirit of him that raised up Jesus is in me. I said the spirit of him that raised up Jesus is in me. And if the spirit of him that raised Jesus is in you, then that self-same spirit shall quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Well, today it's Sunday, but Friday's coming. Next Sunday, it will be it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> I'm so glad there's another Another Sunday, a first day of the week. A first day of the week when those women went to the tomb and found it empty. Praise God, I'm glad there's an empty tomb. An empty tomb. And one thing they found in there, I'll tell you before I quit. They found his garments and his linen cloths folded. You know, in culture, if the patron ever just wadded up his napkin and laid it there, that was a sign, I'm through. I'm through. I'm finished. I'm done for. But if he ever folded it and laid it there neat, it meant I'm not through yet. I'm not through yet. I'm not through yet. The message that rings from that tomb 
this morning is I'm not through yet. Because one of these days, Hoyt Turner, there's going to be a trumpet sound. And the Bible said the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, this world has not seen the last of Jesus. Oh, the conquering governments of this world haven't seen the last of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day he's going to make a triumphal entry. That will be what they expected that time. Because when John looked in 19th chapter of Revelation, he said, I saw the heavens open and I saw a white horse and I saw him that sat upon that white horse and his name was faithful and true. And his name was written on his thigh which no man knew but he himself. Out of his mouth went forth a sharp two-edged sword and the armies of heaven followed him riding on white horses crying out, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord. Oh yeah, there's gonna be a procession one of these days. Yes, there's gonna be a parade one of these days. It's just not yet, but we already know it's gonna happen because we can see by faith into the heavenlies and realize God is not through yet. He's coming back. Oh, blessed be God, he's coming back. Stand to your feet all over this place. I feel a sacredness in this place today. Yeah. We'll do communion next Sunday. Yes. But I want you to identify today. Jesus did not come to meet your expectations. Right. He came to meet your needs. Yes. I said he came to meet your needs. And he says to you this morning, cast all of your care upon him because he cares about you. I don't know how you came in here this morning. I don't know what you left back at home when you left. But I want to tell you this. You don't have to go back like you came in. Jesus came to meet your need. And he said all of your needs will be supplied. Your needs will be supplied. Touch your neighbor and say your need will be supplied. Touch the neighbor on the other side and tell him or her, your need will be supplied too. Glory to God. Why'd you ask me to do that? Jesus said, if you can speak it, if you can speak faith, if you can speak positive, if you can speak things that you want to happen in your life, quit speaking about the disappointment because of the expectations that didn't turn out. Some of those things you needed to not go that way anyway. Amen. Amen. Just say, God, I thank you that you're ever guiding me. And I thank you that my steps are ordered by the Lord. And I thank you that you'll not lead me into temptation, but you'll deliver me from evil. Because thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory forever. And I shall dwell. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Lord said, I will deliver you, and I will heal you, and I will bless you. If my people will call upon me, I will deliver them. Thank you, God. 
thank you, God. Would you give praise and glory to the Lord for ministering the Holy Spirit? Thank you, God. Now, God, I pray for everyone in this audience today, everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, there's no distance with you in prayer. And you said whatsoever things we ask in your name, you would do it. God, in your name, I come to you with the prayer needs of all the people in this house. I thank you for them and their faith in the power of the Lord Jesus. And right now, oh God, I beseech you, I'll make intercession for them. And I ask you, God, to touch every one of them as they need to be touched. Supply their need. I told them that you didn't come to meet their expectation, but to meet their need. God, I pray that you would confirm that word with signs following, that you would meet their need whatever that need might be. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now stick your hands right straight up to the Lord Jesus and thank him for meeting your need. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for meeting my financial need. Thank you for touching me, Lord, in my home, my family, my business. Thank you, Lord, for the clothes on my back and thank you for the car that I drive and thank you for the house that I live in and thank you for my brothers and sisters in this church. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to live in a country where your word is preached. Thank you, God, that all of my needs are met in the person of the Lord Jesus. He is all I need. For about 30 seconds, would you give him the best praise that you can give him? Oh, come on, give it your best. I want to hear your best. Best you got. Best you got. Come on. Lift him up and praise him. Worship him and glorify him today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Glory, 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 glory. Hoshana, Hoshana, Hoshana. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. I don't ever get tired of praising the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be his name.